Mysterious Universe, Season 30, Episode 20. Coming up on this show, we've got the cult of Pukamama harvesting souls with light language and how the Polaroid changed the path of Psy. I'm your host, Benjamin Grundy. Joining me is Aaron Wright. It really did. I had no idea just how influential a simple item like a Polaroid camera could be on the entire path of psychical research. It's actually very simple. Is this some enigmatic character in the history of psychic photography or something? I wouldn't say enigmatic. Maybe a crazy old drunk is probably a way to describe it. But <laughs> Okay, great. But those are the people that always change history, aren't they? Uh, so essentially, I'm going to be talking about a man who was essentially a, uh, uh, well, I've said essentially twice, but he was an unemployed bellhop in Chicago. Essentially, yes. And he uh, started experimenting with hypnosis. And he realized that when he was doing hypnosis, I don't know exactly how this happened, but his thoughts started being transferred onto photographs. He realized that he wasn't taking photographs. He was, everything he was thinking about was showing up on the photographs. How is he developing them? I don't know if it was being developed in a dark room or what was going on, but it got the attention because he started showing people. It was like this skill that he seemingly had. And of course, he could only do it when he was rolling drunk, like completely and utterly rolling drunk. And uh, he got the attention of a psychical researcher, a psychiatrist, who we're going to go into you know, much of his uh, life and his background. And they went, and because a lot of people were saying, well, you know, he can fake this. And we'll go through how he tried to fake things, apparently. Right? Mm. He didn't really fake it. Um, but the way that they got around that was a Polaroid camera. Really? Because you unwrap the film in front of all of the participants. You, you, you know that you can check the film to make sure that it hasn't been compromised or manipulated in any way. And then, of course, the film develops right in front of all the participants. Who's the most well-known well known guy with psychic photography? What was his name again? He built a machine in the 1970s and claimed he could take psychic photographs. Oh, uh, he didn't. He didn't come up in your research. No, today. he didn't. I've got like a Japanese psychical researcher from 1910 that came up. That's Mr. Fukurai, Fukurai-san, and uh, then we're going to go into um, some of the research of Steve Bordy, uh, who has ended up getting these photographs and has you know placed them inside university archives so that anyone can access them. Yeah, there's a guy who built a psychic camera. In, in the 70s. Ted Serios, that's it. 1960s. Oh, that's who I'm talking... No, he didn't build anything. Oh, you're talking about Ted. Yes! He didn't build anything. <laughs> the other thing was built... He was just drunk all the time. Okay. And I've got some videos of actually showing how they went through these experiments and how essentially it became this macro PK, like this wide-scale psychokinetic effect, and then it all abruptly ended because a skeptic stepped in. We've always spoken about the guy as the perfect example of someone who builds a tool that only works for them. Mm -hmm. Only their psychic abilities are able to enable the machinery. And that came up when we discussed the Italian guy in the last show. That's right. With his, what was his device called? The uh, psychic ground penetrating radar or whatever it was. Yes. We suspected that only worked when he was using it as well. If you or I picked up that device, it wouldn't do anything. Well, this is a great example of where you have people that have psychic abilities. And you're absolutely right. We've discussed the possibility of these people you know, having a certain instrument. And it only works with that person, but mm. it also appears to be some type of time frame. It appears that their, their mental health can play a huge role in this Uh belief and skepticism play a big role as well. They're actually producing tangible results, but when they become more famous and the skepticism really steps up, and obviously some people on a very you know far skeptical side will say, well, they're always faking it. But it's like almost the skepticism kind of quells and destroys their ability. And so I'm going to go into that. I'm going to go into some of the research that I came about from uh, Berthold Schwartz uh, with this great banger. Wait till you see what's coming up in plus this one, this one, okay? Mr. J was invited to a formal banquet and he went to the store where he was going to rent a tuxedo. Although the suit was wrapped in 
heavy paper. He was uneasy about it. Why did you emphasize heavy paper, you weirdo? Because it's terrifying. It's absolutely, no, it's not terrifying. (laughs) So he gets home, right? And despite his wife's joshing him for his superstition, he insisted on wrapping this suit, unwrapping the suit anyway. Not a few hours before the banquet. His fears were confirmed when he discovered that one trouser leg was eight inches longer than the other. (laughs) I don't have my soundboard. I need my X-Files sound effect. (laughs) That is too spooky, dude. Look, How can you have that spookiness on the show this oh, early? This, so this is the thing, right? So you've got, it's really fascinating. You have a psychiatrist who was um, subjected to a huge amount of ridicule by his mm-hmm. colleagues, as many psychiatrists that go into psychical research are. Uh, and for him, this is just like, oh my God, like this is amazing. Like the guy cyclically knew through that heavy paper that there was something wrong with his trousers. <laughs> this is groundbreaking. I could take this to the university yeah. and get funding. And of course he can't, but uh, that's actually one of the worst stories in that book. What I actually want to go into is uh, how uh, his experiences early on in life um, with Psy led him to be interested with the phenomenon, which then got him into dealing with a, a patient of his who had a Psy uh, photography experience Really, in some weird synchronicity with an experiment that he was running in his own home completely disconnected, and all of a sudden this patient starts describing some type of weird thought photography occurring in a set of kitchen tiles. It's nuts. Like, it's absolutely nuts. So that is kitchen coming up tiles. later on in the show, not trousers, not paper, this weird thought photography. Save the uh, mismatched trouser legs for plus. Oh, it's just like, oh, my God. I'm pay, glad I didn't read oh, that. For plus, plus. you got to pay extra. <laughs> Even plus members have to pay extra for that. It's like and another that's, tier. That's the darkest of dark episodes. Yeah, you can, only, never pay, see a lot of you can only pay with uh, Monero <laughs> to get into that. Yeah, exactly. And it's fully anonymous. Yep, that perfectly it's hardcore paranormal content. So what have you got coming up? Oh, just the usual uh, Becoming Psychic Lessons from the Minds of Mediums by Jeff Tarrant. Why do we know him? Well, this, is, this isn't really what I'm really going to be talking about today, but it's what got me into what I'm uh, talking about. Mm-hmm. So Jeff Tarrant was a, uh, well, he's a, he's a psychologist and he was very skeptical of anything paranormal for years and years and years. Apparently, he had a lot of new age friends in college, but after they went separate once you're ways, indoctrinated, yeah, once they went separate ways, he just thought anything out of the box is psychosis. It's mm-hmm. some it can be explained away in various ways. Until he got into meditation in the late '90s, and he started to explore altered states of consciousness. And it's interesting, he goes into his research in the field of neurofeedback. Oh, right. Which is really just measuring brain waves and then over time seeing if you can train through your behaviors, train those brain waves, um, change them, in other words. And he, he led me into this incredible story about uh, xenoglossy and holotropic breathwork. Remember holotropic like breathwork? Stanislav Grof with his wife uh, developed this breathing system decades ago, essentially what you do is uh, breathe rapidly for a period of about 20 to 30 minutes, this rapid kind of <laughs> repeatedly, repeatedly. hyperventilating. You're hyperventilating and eventually it, it puts you in an altered state or it does for a lot of people. And uh, the woman I'll be talking about, she tried this holotropic breath work and she just started speaking another language. Really? Yeah, so I'll, I'll get into this. I'm looking forward to your stuff coming up, but let's get into this. So Jeff Tarrant, uh, back in 2013, he explained he was at the University of Missouri and he got a really nice grant for the the work he was doing with neurofeedback, biofeedback. 
And he ended up taking this grant money and hiring two undergrads to be lab assistants to help him with his research. Now, these two were great. He said huge amount of uh, help. And at the end of their term, they were graduating and they were moving on, going to, you know, other, the next part of their life. And one of them pulled him aside. It was kind of the dinner, their last celebration before they went off. And his name was Matt. And he pulled uh, Jeff Tarrant aside and said, look, there's something I need to tell you about my mother. And Jeff said he was like, oh God, well, she got cancer or something? Like, what's he going to tell me? This sounds like bad news. Because the guy was really nervous. He was wringing his hands and like that self-soothing kind of thing. But he was clearly just apprehensive about telling Jeff whatever it was about his mother. And he thinks this must be bad news. But he he launches into this complicated story about his mother, who's Janet Mayer, who began spontaneously speaking unknown languages several years ago. And he explains that, yeah, she this just spontaneously occurred after she did this holotropic breath work workshop. And so Jeff hears this and he's like, what? Wait, what what are you talking about? This sounds insane. What coherent languages or is it just gibberish? Like when you say xenoglossy, like is it a proper language? Well, when I started to read this story, I thought, okay, this is going to be like speaking in tongues. Yeah. This is going to be gibberish. You know, like uh stuff like this. In the name of Jesus, you be made whole by the power of God. <laughs> just like that. Some- great. Yep. Some nonsense yeah. like that, or you know, something like this. God, in the name of Jesus, lift your holy voice in this place tonight. <laughs> not as good as the other one. The other one was better. <laughs> when it devolved, look at this guy's face. It's like what? Father, God in heaven, rain your fire down on us. Oh, you get the idea. Mm-hmm. But of course, the New Ages have their own version. They've got their their light yeah, language, light language activations, yeah. which is way more cringe than any of the the Christian speaking in tongues. Let's take a listen. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the woman that used to do the the light language? And we covered a video of hers. And it was like Spurs Kitty. Yes, yes. Like just the and then madness. Child Protective Services came in, <laughs> and she took down all the videos. <laughs> yeah, that one. Not our proudest moment. No, I have to say. Not. We should probably should have just left her be. But uh, all of this stuff is glossolalia which is the term for, well, speaking in tongues when you're speaking another language, but it's not actually a language. It's just nonsense. It's just stuff just comes babbling out. And it is strange that in those Christian communities, they say it's some kind of language of the Lord. It's the Spirit of God speaking through them. It's some mm. kind of holy language. And the New Ages say the same thing, that it's, it's from the fifth dimension or it's Pleiadians or it's some kind of higher being speaking through them. It's fascinating in the sense that it seems to be also associated with ecstasy, you know, those ecstatic states where it's kind of like a trance in a way. And in a way, it is a trance because you're speak, if you are having something come through, like let's say it's just not you getting caught up in the moment and just saying garbage. Uh, if something is coming through, it essentially is a trance that's coming. So it's connected to that ecstatic state. Well, when I first saw her story, this woman, Janet Mayer, I thought, okay, again, this is another one of these light language activation cases. This is glossolalia. Uh, And the more interesting side of this phenomenon, it's often confused with it, is xenoglossy, Mm. 
which is when someone is speaking a language that's unknown to them, but it's a real language. It would and be like fluent. if you got bonked on the head and then started to speak German Spanish. or something. That would be yes. Yeah, you would know that it was the truth. You would know it was real. <laughs> if I got hit on the head, I came out of a coma and I'm speaking fluent Spanish. Spanish, Spanish would be the best yep. example. Am I lagging on the video already? Yes, you are. I'm ready to murder someone with this freaking video card. I swear to God. Look at it. It's no one frames cares. already. No one cares. Keep, we're fixing it. We'll work on it. Keep going. I'm just going to build a PC. Like, I'm done with trying to get this to work on Mac. It's just a nightmare. We've gone through two capture cards, three different enclosures, and I'm just it's just derailing me. Every time I look at the screen, I just want to swear at it and punch the screen because it's just so annoying. Hey, you've never been violent at all, Ben. That's how strange. Uh, so, yeah, this is some kind of glossolalia, and surely this is the case with this woman. Well, it turns out she has a book about her experiences, and I tracked down a copy today. It's called Spirits, They Are Present. And, you know, going through this, it became very apparent early on that there wasn't anything spontaneous about her her language coming through at all. What do you mean? Like she would just sit and try to bring something through? No, well, she had been having weird psychic experiences since the age of five. Oh, okay. Right. So again, another lifer. Yeah, so going through this, she describes, you know, being five years old, seeing her father standing in the doorway, and he's transparent. <laughs> she just wakes up, middle of the night, her, her dad's transparent, she can see through him. He makes eye contact with her, and for some reason, it's incredibly intense. She starts screaming, watches her mother run into the bedroom and walk through her father. Now, years later, she said that she now realizes he must have been because he wasn't dead. His I was going to father was alive. Yeah, was he dead? He must have been astral traveling or yep. something of the sort. Uh, after this, her grandmother passed away. She ended up seeing her grandmother at the foot of her bed after she died. And her grandmother's initials just started to appear on the walls around her bedroom. At the same time or just... Uh, As she was seeing her. They weren't there afterwards. They disappeared, but uh, she saw them show up. As a teenager, she would scream, Phone! And then five seconds later, the phone would ring. It's a and, precognitive. Yeah, her family found this so annoying, but she would do it all the time. She failed her hearing test at high school. Everyone had to do this mandatory hearing test. And after the test, the uh, whoever's administrating it comes up to her and says, look, we need you to go and see someone in our lab and you need to take another test because she had failed. So she goes and tells her mother, she's like, mom, I, I failed the, the hearing test, but I can hear fine. So they book her in, they take her to this, you know, soundproof chamber. She puts on the special headphones and there's a technician telling her, okay, when you hear the beep in the headphones, press the button. So she's like, okay. Now she hears the beep, she presses the button and the tech goes, I haven't pressed the button yet. What are uh, you doing? So it's beforehand. And this happens time and time again. Mm. Every time she says, yep, I hear it, they haven't pressed the button yet. And so eventually, but they obviously had the intention to press the button, right? It's not like she's randomly just going press, 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 press. That's press. right. Yeah. And eventually she thinks they must mean I should put my hand up after the second beep. So she starts doing this. She hears the first beep and she waits for the second beep and then she puts her hand up and she ends up passing with flying colors. Oh, fascinating. So it's like she's actually audibly hearing the precognition. Well, it's interesting because after the... Um, after the whole session, she comes out and she speaks to the technician again. And she says to the technician, I'm sorry, I didn't know I had to do it on the second beep. And the technician's like, what are you talking, are you talking about? about? There's only one beep. So there's interesting stories like that. 
with her sister. Her sister found it especially fascinating. She would call her sister on the phone and describe what was in her sister's office that day, even though she'd never been to her sister's office. One day she says, what's going on? Like your office is full of all these pink post-it notes. I can see them all around. And her sister explains, well, yeah, we're, we're moving to another office and I've put pink post-it notes explaining where I want everything to go in the new office. It's like, that's amazing that you knew that. Mm. So because her sister understood she had this ability, her sister Debbie is about to go on a trip to Germany, a, a business trip. And she says to Janet, uh, I need you to check out the flight. Like, make sure everything's going to go okay. I don't want anything bad to happen. You know, God forbid the plane goes down. Just please check for me. She, maybe she's afraid of flying or something. So Janet's like, well, I've never done this before, but why not? I'll try. And so she sits down and she goes into like a quiet state and just starts trying to focus on her sister's flight. And immediately a movie starts playing in her mind, as we've heard so often before in this little screen in her forehead. And she sees this Luftwaffe plane take off and then land fine. Luftwaffe? Oh, you mean sorry, not Lufthansa. Lufthansa, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she sees World War II uh, Baron taking was off. Was she like a former you know, Luftwaffe pilot? She's this past life Nazi pilot. <laughs> No, 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 no. Just, yeah, sorry. Thanks for the correction. Um, but she gets a sense that there's something wrong. Like the flight took off and landed, but there's something not right with the flight. And Hitler's on board. <laughs> eventually, her sister's like, well, it lands, so I'm just going to get on the flight and I'm sure it'll be fine. So she gets on the flight. She flies to Germany and immediately calls Janet from Germany and says, you're right. There was something wrong with the plane. All of the toilets were out of order. Oh, weird. And it was a nightmare. So she couldn't identify that, but she could pick up that something was wrong. Yeah, I wonder just, if it's like the level of um, like distress that it would cause might be uh, more details are revealed. It's like if it was something insignificant, like not that that's insignificant, but that's like no one's life is really in danger. Surely you'd think they wouldn't fly if both toilets were out. Well, maybe it was only so one. Maybe it was only one toilet and or, used first class or something. Or maybe something happened mid-flight. Like that's all. That's all plausible but the fact that she didn't get the details she just got oh there's something wrong but couldn't put a finger on it and still allowed to get on the it's just fascinating with Sai about how it, it seemingly just doesn't give you all the details do you think they've got an emergency bucket for that scenario i like guarantee you, no i guarantee <laughs> like you, it's bag. probably plastic bags yeah oh my God. yeah they would probably bags. they'd just have to give out bags yep. and you'd have to go inside there oh my gosh <laughs> i didn't even want to think about it that deeply um and then weird stuff started to happen in her bedroom at home like she would go in she had this ritual where she would get home, she'd take her shoes off, and she was very fastidious with how she organized things. Like she'd have her shoes very neatly organized, lined up in a certain way. And uh, she noticed that her shoes kept on moving by themselves. Like one would be faced the other way, one would be off kilter. And she would often like go and check, make sure they're, they're right, and then go and grab a bite to eat or something and come back and one of the shoes would be moved. And it got to the point where this was so annoying she eventually said to her family, like, go in and check my shoes. And they'll be like, yeah, they're all lined up. What's the problem? And then 15 minutes later, she'd go, go in and check my shoes. And her shoes would be moved. Is this macro PK or something similar? Like she's somehow moving it with her mind? It's so benign and uninteresting. It's a case for Berthold Schwartz. Yeah, it's, cool. so, it's such a boring, you know, paranormal thing to happen that your shoes are being moved. No, but but is- eventually she would wake up in the middle of the night and she would see her closet doors go shh and slide open on their own. And that started to freak her out. The shoe thing, she was like, okay, my sh- whatever. 
Well, that's so when she saw right? that, it's it's the precursor to other activity that's taking place, and it has a poltergeist kind of, um, I guess, you know, feel to it. But you got to wonder: is this coming from her, or is it coming from an entity that's attracted to her psychic abilities? Yeah, this is where you start to get a sense that there is some kind of entity involved because she started to verbally speak to whatever was doing this at this stage. Like, oh, leave me alone. So d- oh, okay, all right. Well, then- and it was like she did a Catholic prayer and like, yep. leave me alone. And that seemed to stop it. For a while. Well, eventually she said, I began to notice something that really amplified my awareness. I began to feel spirits around me. She said it didn't matter what time of day or night, they would seem to just manifest an energy near me without warning, leaving me with subtle hints of suggestive knowledge. And once this actually happened, when she was at home reading a book, she's married now, she lives with her husband, she's got a small uh, infant son. Mm -hmm. And she said one evening she's curled up with this novel and she just starts to feel the temperature of the room subtly change, like it gets a a, a bit cooler. And she starts to sense there's spirits in the room. And at first it's one or two, then there's three or four, and then five or six. And before long, the it's like a Tokyo subway. The entire room is packed with entities she can kind of sense. And she starts to get a sense, and she can't hear it. It's more she gets a psychic intuition of what they're discussing. And they're essentially saying, we're getting ready to meet someone. Someone's about to be greeted by us. And so she starts to think, Who's going to die? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's immediately someone's going to die. Go. Yeah. Holy crap, who is it? And she ends up freaking out and getting her husband to drive to every relative they know in the area and just make sure everyone's okay. And everyone is okay, uh, except for her uncle Al, who is dead, who dies like the next day. And so, what she was essentially uh, picking up on was these entities, which were like a greeting party. They were a welcome party for this family member that was about to pass away. Uh, There's a bunch of funny stories in there as well. One night she said she was getting ready for bed and she went over to kiss her husband goodnight. He was already asleep. And she rolls over. She's facing him. She rolls over and she feels a little nudge on her shoulder, like something push her. And she's like, that's weird. She rolls back over onto her back and there's nothing there. She rolls back over again. And then she feels this shove. Like something actually shove her. And now she's freaked up. She's thinking, what the hell is going on? She sits up in bed and she sees a woman standing in like the moonlight of the room. And her face is kind of hidden in the shadows. Her clothes have this bluish tint to them. She's wearing this strange necklace, which kind of reminds her of Egyptian garb for some reason. In fact, the woman oh, kind of always the ancient Egyptian. The woman kind of looks like this: this strange woman appearing at the foot of her bed, and she says she's in this weird pose where her arms are like like this, pointing like pointing in a particular direction, both arms, and she thinks it's some kind of Egyptian energy pose, like she's doing like this kind of Egyptian voguing thing. And as she's watching this woman, this intense love energy starts pouring into her. <laughs> like she's just completely overwhelmed with this. And she uh, feels this sensation swelling within her. She's like, I could die right now. This feels so amazing. And uh, eventually the feeling fades and this woman fades away. 
and she wakes up her husband. She's like, there's a woman at the foot of the bed. You'll never believe it. It was amazing. I feel so amazing. This is, and her husband's like, oh my God, please let this end. I just want to go to sleep. Anyway, the next day, um, she's kind of sleeping in and her husband comes racing up the stairs and starts yelling at her. And he's like, I know why that woman was here last night. My van just got robbed. All my tools are gone. <laughs> okay. Um, how does it make the connection between some weird Egyptian voguing woman in the bedroom and everything being stolen? Be- because is there like an Egyptian eye the, written on the door? The move she was doing was pointing at the window. <laughs> <laughs> so rather than you know, trying to nudge someone to get them to wake up, you're like pointing at the window because your van's being robbed. That's exactly what happened. How is anyone going to understand that? <laughs> well, when you when you're an Egyptian spirit, maybe you point. Maybe that's they pointed in a particular way. And she's for her. She's like clear, like, hey, your van's being robbed right now. You might want to look out yeah, the okay, window. But okay, how does being filled with the overwhelming love <laughs> give you the indication that you're being knocked over? Maybe it was a sense of get the hell out of bed right now. And she's just like, oh. and she's like, oh yeah, she thinks it's some kind of ecstasy. Anyway, a few nights later, she does her usual nighttime routine with her son, who again is is very young. He's like one or two years old, and he's she has this routine where she'll sing to him and you know sing a lullaby and scratch his back in the crib or whatever. And this night, she's really tired, and she's sung him his song and she's scratching his back and she says to him, just kind of off the cuff, you know, I wish someone. I'm so tired. I wish someone would scratch my back. Oh, this is going to be creepy. And something starts scratching her back. Oh, no. <laughs> she feels this, like, nice little scratch no, down no, the no, middle no, of no, her no, back. No. And she, of course, flips out, grabs her son, runs out of the room. He starts crying. So her point of this little story is be careful what you wish for and that this stuff perhaps isn't always worth messing with. You know, these abilities oh, aren't... Oh, we know that. They're a blessing, but they're also a curse in some instances. But we'll soon see that she doesn't seem to heed her own advice because eventually she seeks out a um, a, a past life regression therapist and she describes it not really being helpful to her. Like she does see some past life where she's a healer who gets his legs cut off because he went against the king or something. Some horrific past life. So she's like, this is not working for me. I need something else. So the past life therapist is like, oh, you should try, uh, what's it called? Holotropic breathing. Mm-hmm. So she gets her sister, Debbie, and she goes and tries this holotropic breathing. Has she had a lifetime of chronic leg pain or something? I don't know. She doesn't mention anything like that. Just this off-the-cuff crazy story of this healer getting his legs cut off. Anyway, she goes and does this holotropic breathing session. And the first session, not that much happens. Like her sister has some kind of past life, not past life, but some early trauma come out and she has some healing and... She just feels relaxed. And in the second session, everything changes. In the second session, she says, I started to hear an unidentifiable voice from far away to my left. And she said it started to approach her. This voice rapidly approached her left side. And suddenly it came through as a very loud and clear whisper telling her to get up and go to the bathroom. And what's interesting, if you listen to her describe this, she said she moved almost as if she was on autopilot, like something was controlling her. And she gets up, she goes to the bathroom and she says to her sister, I need to go to the bathroom. She said, as soon as the words left her mouth, 
she started questioning, why am I going to the bathroom? Who told me to do that? What am I doing? And as she's washing her hands and doing her business, she's wondering, like, what was that? Because she said it came through as a suggestion, but it felt like a command. It felt like she had no choice. Is she just suffering from OCD or something? And she's misinterpreting, you know, because, you know, like, you know, when you need to go to the bathroom, you're like, I need to go. It's like a inbuilt thing that's completely autonomous. Like, is that, she's just somehow misinterpreted that. Well, if you got OCD, you don't hear a voice. This is a voice telling her what to do. And she said when she got back to the mat where they do the breath work, she said that feeling came on stronger and stronger, but now all around me, the feeling of that voice approaching, it was now all around me. I felt pressure on my chest, which moved to my throat and then out of my mouth with a force of its own. And she just starts saying this crazy language. It starts coming out of her. Words flew off my tongue, she said. The power behind them was staggering. I began speaking so fast that I had little control over my tongue. My voice was thunderous, vibrating. I shouted, I screamed, laughing and crying as I rejoiced. And she said there was this pressure inside her she'd never felt before. But euphoric, like you mentioned earlier, yeah, it the was ecstasy. ecstasy. It felt incredible. She said, I somehow knew that the words formed a message whose purpose I felt but couldn't explain. My tongue was moving so fast, but I had no idea what was being said. My hands were holding my chest, she said, as the intense energy emerged, then fluttered about as if to express something important. She said, I could hear myself as if I was within and outside myself at the same time. I couldn't help feel that a door had opened within me. And she starts seeing flashes of vision, uh, visions across her inner eye. And after she finally stopped, her throat is raw. She feels completely drained. And everyone in the room is staring at her like she's a mad woman. Um, She said, my body was completely drained of energy as if I'd been depleted Mm. down to the last cell of my body. Yeah. So when you see these people claiming that this kind of speaking in tongues is something of, of a higher being, it's some kind of godly language or some higher spirit or something, why would it leave you lacking in energy? Why would it leave you depleted? Because it makes sense. If it's something that is of a higher realm and it needs to manifest in this physical reality, uh, it needs to draw on energy of some kind in this reality. And we've spoken only recently about the idea of blood being utilized by certain supernatural entities to manifest physically here. It's kind of the same with audio, right? Like if you're moving someone's throat muscles to produce some type of effect, mm. you're going to need to draw energy and you're going to draw it from the person that you're channeling through. I would almost say that if it was something higher, wouldn't you feel energized? Wouldn't you feel- That's a good point. That you're getting some kind of uh, holy energy, something- much higher than well, you. yeah, because they do. But then again, you know, like something like that would be extremely taxing. We're still only human, mm. right? So it's very taxing. Well, obviously she thinks, what the hell just happened? She, her and her sister get the hell out of there. And when she's explaining what happened to her husband, her husband's curious and he says, well, w- what did it sound like? And she goes, well, I don't know if I can do it again. Then it just starts spilling out of her. Again, with no control. It just starts coming out of her. She talks for like two minutes to her husband in this weird language. Does she and, recall it though, or is she like when he questions her yeah. about it? Like, so she knows that she's doing. She it. She knows she's doing it. She's fully conscious of it, but no control but over. She it. has no control over it, and she doesn't understand it. Obviously, mm. 
Every time it comes through, though, she says it brought happiness and joy. It started to become a form of comfort. It would happen spontaneously as the weeks continued. She said it felt so incredible, like I was doing a happy dance inside. Not everyone was impressed, though. When she approached a family friend, like she eventually told her mother-in-law and they had a family friend over, the family friend is like, I don't want to hear it. And she got really offended. Janet says, well, why don't you want to hear it? And she says, do you even know what you're saying? It could be the work of the devil. And now she steps back from this and goes, how rude. Like that really hurt my feelings. Probably a good point. How could you be like a closed-minded Christian? That's ridiculous. That's so narrow-minded. And I just thought, what are you talking about? That's a totally legitimate question to ask. You cannot understand what that language is saying if it is a language at all. How can you discern the meaning behind what you're saying? Well, also, it's the idea of like um, a spell of some kind. You know, not that I necessarily believe that that's what's occurring, but if there is something to magic and, you know, the way that you use words, incantations and that kind of thing, who knows what you're saying if you're allowing something to manifest in our reality? Absolutely. There's power in words and language and they have a a meaning and an energy behind them that goes beyond the surface understanding. So it's very wise for this person to go, well, hang on, we don't know what this is or where it's coming from. Yeah, you feel great. but And one of her reasons, her skeptical friend was like, I have an unborn child and I I don't want to hear that. So uh, another close friend said, you're lost. I'm going to pray for you. Let me make an appointment with my pastor. Now, again, Janet is like, I was incredibly offended. Some of these people are just so close-minded. I can't believe this. But you're talking like an absolute nutbag. And so, like, it's not bad, obviously, that a friend. Like, I mean, I get it what she's saying. I but think these people have wisdom. Well, what's what's wrong, though? What's the worst thing that can happen? Let's be honest. Like, people go, oh, it's a, what's the worst thing that happened if someone goes and prays for you? Exactly. What's the worst thing that the happened? The demon just sucking. Go, yeah, like, <laughs> Hey, look, it's not my thing, Uh, but hey, cool. The worst thing that happens is your head starts spinning around and vomit just starts coming out. (laughs) And you start crawling on the walls. Technically, that's not you. (laughs) That's the low-level entity that's possessing you. But hey, you know. So I think I've got a clip. Do I have a clip? Yeah, I've got a clip of her here. This is the language she started speaking. Oh. Let's take a listen. It's a very old video. Hello, my name is Janet Mayer. It is September 5th, 2010. It's just Spanish. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give her credit. It does sound way more like a language than the usual stuff. There's a there's a syntax to it. Like that. That is not a language. Sorry. That it doesn't sound like it has the same structure, the same connections between the the sounds and the, the you know syllables. What? The only reason why she's got YouTube hits, we know why. It's a Linda Moulton wow factor. That's oh, why she's putting it on. Dude, I could fix it. They her. always do. They always wear low cut tops. I could fix they, it. They, they, they sit there speaking gibberish and bullshit, and people are just like, oh yeah, click on that, click on she, that. She, um, we should look at her channel later in Plus because she's got a video called "How to Activate Your Yoni in Five <laughs> Easy Steps." <laughs> And it's been a while since we activated ours. It has actually. That's a good point. I think we haven't we haven't even covered Grace Diaz in a long. It's been years. Ever since that V steaming incident incident back in 2015. That was a nasty burn, Ben. That was terrible. <laughs> it's just nasty. Three weeks in the ER. Yeah, it was just, the skin grafts. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but I could fix this one. <laughs> give me, give me a week. 
I don't want to know. I don't want to know. G- give me a week and um, a bunch of... Um, no, I'm not even going to say that. <laughs> I'm not even going to say what I would do. Maybe in the plus. Maybe I'm not plus. even going to say what I would Maybe do. Maybe I know what you would do, but we'll come back to that. <laughs> so she started to speak, uh, seek answers for this strange language. From what? Well, she sent a tape of her recordings to the Department of Language at Washington University. Oh, that's smart. And yeah, she actually approached it in a really rational way. Even though this was giving her these euphoric feelings, she's like, there must be someone who recognizes this because I swear it's a real language. Like a linguist. Now, they were uh, respectful to her, but they said, look, we don't understand this. Uh, No one here... In our de- professors in our department can recognize this, so we're going to rule out French, Spanish, Latin, German, Tibetan, Greek, Chinese, Japanese, or Mongolian. It's none of these, but good luck with your search. But they're all very mainstream languages. I would imagine that this would be something far more obscure. This must it? be something obscure. Well, you just said Spanish, so... <laughs> <laughs> so uh, about a week later, uh, she called this government agency that this woman from the university actually recommended she contact... She said she wasn't allowed to cite the name for privacy reasons, so who knows what's going on there. But she ended up sending the tape in to this government department and waiting weeks to hear back, and she finally received a phone call. She said they explained they didn't recognize the language either, but could now rule out Aramaic, Arabic, Hebrew, Persian, Turkish, and Gaelic. But she never gave up. Again, to her credit, she kept on searching. She would send her tape to universities and linguists all around the world, to historians, to just long shots. She was really just trying to nail it down, anything she could. Um, She tried to stay optimistic, but she said for years this was like a full-time job. Uh, The turning point, though, came when she emailed the Polynesian Cultural Center in Honolulu. Okay. By this stage, everything is a long shot, but she's still trying. She eventually gets a call from this woman named Kim, who said, Aloha, Janet. I'm sorry to report your language is not uh, on any of our island languages. However, one of my co-workers just returned from South America. And when she heard the tape, she said it sounded similar to what she heard while on vacation. That's just a little clue for you. Best of luck, Kim. Where was she on vacation? Was it in Hawaii? She didn't specify. She just said, uh, no, well, the co-worker was on vacation in South America. Oh, I see. Okay, right. So uh, eventually she reaches out to the Institute for Noetic Science, you know, ions. Oh, uh, with Dean Radin. Dean Radin. Edgar Mitchell started mm. it as well, right? Uh, she ends up getting a reply from a researcher there, John Perkins. And he said, look, I, I listened to your tape and I think I know what language you're speaking. Seriously? She's like, holy crap. Before I say what language it is, he says, I would like to send to send it to a friend of mine for verification. Is that all right with you? He's just asking permission. She says, of course, I've been trying to search for an answer for four years. Send it to whoever you want. I need to know what this language is. So John explained to her on the phone that he's been to a number of areas in South America. He's been traveling there since the 1960s. Uh, even lived in South America for a time. And he knew a number of different tribes and a little of their languages. And he was confident. He knew what the language was, but he wouldn't reveal it to her. He needed that confirmation. So after a while, she gets a call from this individual named Ipu Piara. And uh, I'll talk a little, bit, a little bit about who this guy is in a moment, but she has no idea who this guy is. And it's a very weird conversation. He calls up and says, Janet, I have the tape. I need to ask you to explain how you came to speak this language. 
And she's like, well, sure. And she explains, I went to this breathing class and I had this weird voice come into me and I had to go to the bathroom and then I was speaking in tongues and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, Janet, I have a hard time believing this, but I have never heard of something like this happening. I must wrestle with this possibility. It's like, what are you, what are you saying, dude? And she says, look, I know this seems impossible, but I can tell you it's possible. And he basically starts grilling her. He gives her these 20 questions. Like, have you ever traveled to South America? She's like, no, I've never left the United States. Have you ever taken hallucinogenic drugs? She's like, no. Have you ever taken ayahuasca? She's like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. And essentially, he's trying to figure out, A, is this woman on drugs? B, is she psychotic Lunatic. or C is she on drugs and psychotic mm. always a winning combination and in the end she reveals like I have an asthma inhaler <laughs> that's about it like, so, and of course like she hasn't well, she, maybe she wouldn't admit it but she hasn't displayed any type of uh, you know previous psychotic or emotional imbalances anything like that no well apart from all the stuff I mentioned earlier yeah but not actually <laughs> seeking out like proper you know care that would be required because no. she used to be institutionalized no, or anything she, like that she has these uh psychic intuitions yeah, as but that's not described mean, but that's that doesn't not mean you're psychotic. psychosis at all she's mm. very rational she understands to a degree what's happening to her and mostly she's in control of what's going on he eventually reveals that's she's speaking yanamami yanamami from the, the Yanomami from this tribe in the Amazon. <laughs> it's in like the Peruvian Amazon. How is some random woman who's done breath work speaking a language which is you know, spoken by a remote tribe, an isolated, I would imagine, tribe? That's why I continued with this story. Because now this is interesting. Because it's not what like you is going just on. pull up Duolingo and start, you know, learning it. Yeah, there's only a handful of people that speak English that would all, that would be even aware of this language, right? Uh, even in the Spanish-speaking world uh, in South America, no one would know this language. This is a tiny little tribe. I think I've got a video of them here. Let's take a let's take a listen. This is the Yanomami Indigenous Land Wateriki Village. Ah, uh, that's not their language, by the way. <laughs> It'd be funny if that was just their language. <laughs> no, that's not their language. Uh, let's skip ahead to one of these guys. Okay, let's stop for a second. What is on his head? <laughs> Flowers? Is it some kind of like... Has he dipped his head in petroleum jelly... And then gone and rolled around in a cushion that a dog's just torn up. Because <laughs> he looks like his hair is either covered in raw cotton or like someone's killed a bunch of chickens and that's just they're covered in feathers. <laughs> what, is, what is going on? What is in this guy's hair? It actually does look like feathers, doesn't it? I couldn't see from the resolution of his How many no idea what that is? How many fluffy ducks had to die? To get this guy's hairdo going well, that maybe day. They eat chicken, and the rest so of the like, tribe has this. Let's let's skip through. Where does those macaw feathers come from? Look at this guy. The enemy came to kill our chicken. No, but I agree with that. You keep your miners away. Why? Because it's their land. You gotta go come and start mining everything. Why don't they sell the land to the miners? Oh, if they sell it. Yeah, okay. But they don't want to. 
Uh, check out this guy. For some reason, he skipped the feathers and he looks like he's ready to do a K-pop video. <laughs> Look at his hair. It's perfect. Like it is. It is perfect. I'll give him that. He's just stepped out it of is, the yep. Indian salon. Yep. Look at it. It's all shiny and perfectly combed. He looks like he's about to if do you're like an a little isolated Amazonian tribe. Where do you get hair products? I know. Oh, well, the funny thing about these videos is after they're filmed, that they just get changed into their normal Western clothes <laughs> and just go and watch TV, <laughs> go and watch the football. It's like some really remote tribe <laughs> with no contact whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They're like, what time's the football on? We're yeah. catch the game. But look at these guys. They, look at them all covered in the feathers. Like, is this guy the chief of the tribe or the only K-pop fan in the group? I'd imagine they have 5G signal there so they can watch as much K-pop as they want. Anyway, I'm getting kind of derailed making fun <laughs> yeah. of these people. <laughs> well, again, though, so hang on a second. So they're not as isolated as I thought. So they've got contact with the Western world. So not, Well, yeah, I mean, they have contact, but, but they're still, still a, a traditional isolated jungle tribe yeah. in the Amazon. So how does this woman on the you know other hemisphere... The Northern Hemisphere somehow get this language. Exactly. This is why the story is fascinating. Now, he asks her on the phone, Janet, can you speak Yanomami for me, the language? And she's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And she starts speaking. She starts doing her thing, her, her where is she? Does her hair change to K-pop song? She starts, starts doing this. And he's like, do you know what you just said? And she says, uh, I've got no idea. He says, you were speaking of the fierce people. This is what the Yanomami people call themselves, the fierce people. And you were describing them. This is bizarre. Now, this guy is actually starting to freak out. He's like, this is so weird. Um, she thanks him, obviously. And they agree that um, he will translate the full tape for her and get back to her. And it's going to take some time because he's very busy. Because apparently this guy travels all around the world. So who we'll is this guy? will bring all of your chickens to make feathers available for <laughs> yeah. all of us. Who is this guy? This is this is him. He's an interesting character. Um, he's He went by the name of... He had a Western name. Gosh, do I even have it in front of me? I don't even have it in front of me. <laughs> Ipupiari is his native name, but he used a Western name and he actually... Uh, he came to learn in... Uh, Western universities. Right, okay. Uh, Bernardo Pezzotto, uh, is his was his Western name. He knew some of the Yanomami people. He spoke some of their dialects. And he is also an indigenous shaman from the area. Okay. He was born into the Uru-Iwauwau tribe in northern Brazil. This is near the Venezuelan border. And she said, I later found out he attended school uh, to learn the North American ways and received his PhD in anthropology and biology so he could help bridge his South American culture and North American culture. Mm. Quite in an interesting character. He's half Portuguese. So his mother was a full-blood native. His father was Portuguese. And he essentially explained he would translate the entire tape and get back to her. He works at the Smithsonian Institute. Sorry, he's passed away now, but he did work at the Smithsonian Institute um, has helped, uh, he's helped Western um, pharmaceuticals with some of the plant knowledge he has. Really? Yeah. And right, he's yeah. a consultant in the National Zoo. He's an advisor to the White House or was in the past, apparently. So, so very accomplished. Fascinating character and amazing that she was able to make contact with him. So a few months later, she gets a call 
And he's like, so Janet, are you ready to hear what's on the tape? She's like, yes, I've been waiting for years, Ipu. Tell me what's on the tape. What they say, he says, look, it was 60, you gave me a 60 minute long tape. It took me hours to do this, but essentially. She spoke in this language for 60 minutes? She sent him a 60 minute tape. This is what he got out of it. We need to be more earth honoring people. And she's like, I waited four and a half years for that. We need to be more earth honoring people. He's like, yes, Janet. And the message is repeated 23 times. <laughs> it's just like the same message over and over again. There's more, he said. Messages will be released on a fire, water, air, mother earth. And she's like, okay. This message is repeated 17 times. All right. Uh, and he says, I found it surprising. You were speaking in the male dialect. And she's like, how do you know that? Apparently there's words in this tribal language that only males can speak. And she was using them. So his conclusion was that a male spirit from this Yanni Mama tribe was coming and speaking through her. Um, some of the words were taboo for women to even hear. And she's like, okay, so what else is there? And he's like, that's it. <laughs> that's the whole tape. At the very end, it's at the tone. The message will repeat. <laughs> yeah, that was the whole tape because she repeated herself to some kind of chant he said he couldn't quite understand. But he's like, look, keep doing tapes and keep sending them to me and I'll translate them when I can. And this is a good section of the book where we go through ultimately eight tapes that she does for him. Uh, uh, I have to ask the question, I, I hate to be so skeptical, but has it been validated? Like you've got this one guy saying that this is the language. Is it a guy that, I, I'm not casting aspersions upon him, but obviously it's only one person and he's obviously interpreting it. Is it possible that he could have been coloring it you know, through his interpretation. This is confirmed. Oh, it is. Okay. Because he goes to Brazil. He goes into the Amazon with another anthropologist. They take a cassette player with the tape and they play it for the tribe. Really? And the tribe starts freaking out. Why? The women, he said, immediately run into the jungle because on the tape, they can hear words that are taboo. That's men. Right man speak that they're not allowed to hear so they flee so into this the jungle. is jungle mansplaining yeah <laughs> and the men start cheering and dancing around the cassette player and he said he translated what they were cheering they were yelling out the white woman speaks our language the white woman speaks our language so because eventually they showed a photo of who was speaking uh so this was clear that this wasn't made up. The tribe's reaction was genuine. Mm. In fact, they requested multiple times for her to actually come and see them. And I'll get into some of that in a moment. But let's go some of through, through some of these tapes that were revealed. Tape two, he translates it, gets back to her. Uh, a female spirit says to hear this, that people from the four corners of the world will come to hear the prophecy. The messages will be released the messages will be released. Make offerings to Mother Earth, plant in her womb, items such as corn, cotton, bananas. Very powerful moments are coming. Evil will disappear soon and Mother Earth will have to be appeased. Interesting language there. We've got to appease Mother Earth. Okay. It also has a, a ring of the uh, 1950s abductees to it, doesn't it? How, do, how so? Kind of like, you know, appeasing the earth and, you know, uh, having to you know, look after the earth and protect it. This is what contactees were being told in the 1950s. It's the same thing. It's not going as far as, well, you're about to destroy yourself with nuclear weapons, but it has the same kind of ring to it. Can you just anchor your mic down a little oh, bit? Sure. Because 
the captures not, not picking, picking me up. up. There we go. You Is that need better? To be a little bit louder. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's an interesting idea. From what we'll see, you start to get a sense that. Yes, a spirit is speaking through her, but as we've seen in multiple cases of this, where entities get into someone and start spreading their message, there is this drive to spread it far and wide, to get as many people as possible to hear it. Mm. Um, and whether that's for benevolent ends or malevolent ends, you know, we've always had our opinions on the path. On in the past, most of these stories don't end up going well. But let's keep an open mind. Well, because I imagine this woman is about to travel into the remote jungle. <laughs> is that where we're heading? Well, in tape three, it says this tape speaks in both languages again, and both male and female are present as well. They mention again separately, we need to be more earth honoring. Then the male goes on to say moments of struggle coming up. Oh, hang on. Sorry. So are you saying that she starts changing her tone somehow? Is that what's coming up in the tapes? Because of the native language that's being used two different, vo- they can tell two different genders are speaking on the tapes. Right, okay. So the the female- but it's not like the voice has changed or- No, the okay. female will use female terms and then the male will use male terms. Mm-hmm. So it just must be the honorifics or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever they're using the language. Um, moments of struggle are coming up. Two groups, one will accept the prophecy, one will not. Some will listen, some will not. Two powerful people will share knowledge. What is going on? So Ipu thinks this is part of some uh, Pachikuti prophecy, he says, where the eagle from the north and the condor from the south will come together and share knowledge. And he explains that this is some kind of cycle that occurs between people from North America and people from South America. It's on a 500-year cycle, and he claims to her that we're right on the spot where the 500-year cycle is coming to a conclusion and these people are going to come together. People from the south are going to merge with the people from the north. At the border? Well, again, is this some kind of... Um, is it a prophecy? Mass immigration metaphor? That came up on the last show. So it means, yeah, the eagle or people from North America, which is power, and the condor or people from South America, which is wisdom, come together and learn from each other. So interesting. He says... Uh, and then he explains his trip to Brazil with her. But the fourth tape comes around, and it sounds almost like poetry. With beauty all around me, may I chant and heal others. The world of the dead is returning. The spirits brought us this message over the new earth. They are coming to talk to us. This is what spirits have promised. People take this path, go this way. It is a goodly path, says the spirit. It leads to a joyous place, not evil. We, the spirits, are talking through a few special people. These messages have to be spread all over the earth. The spirits need to communicate with you. Prayer will be pronounced loud and clear to the four corners of the world. Our message has to be heard. And it's interesting what she says after this one. She says, I wasn't too thrilled to see the word evil in my tape. It was a little scary, she said. I started thinking the worst allowing negative comments from my friends and relatives to creep into my consciousness. Was she starting to second guess herself? Was she starting to seriously ponder her friends that were saying, you don't know what this is. You don't know what this message entails or where it's truly from. Because what kind of entity would say, um, there's no evil here. Oh, don't worry, I'm not evil. Trust me, 
Yeah, I'm not I, that's evil. exactly what I had going through my mind, that that term. Just just trust us, bro. Yeah. It's definitely, this is not going to work. But th- the other thing I was, was thinking about was why would an entity come to some random woman in the United States rather than go to the tribe and speak the actual language to the tribe? Like, why wouldn't you go to the tribe? Why would you go through some random woman somewhere else? And you have to jump through all these hoops, these synchronicities, to even be able to get to this point for the knowledge to come back. Is it because people like us are going to talk about it because it's weird enough that it will attract attention? Is yeah, that a, the it's purpose? It's a great question. Maybe the entity entity can only converse in this language. Oh, that's an interesting concept. See, I was I was talking to someone recently, actually, who's um, you know quite bright in these sorts of things, and was describing you know even with the the concepts of, of English language, right? Like the term spelling. Like it's spelling because it's a spell. Like there's something about the English language which has got something that, you know, kind of could be a control mechanism or it could be um, some type of, like I was talking about before, incantation. And because we speak in this language, and it really is the dominant language throughout the world, like English has become the dominant language. Mm. Uh, it also somehow then restricts us from getting access to, you know, like the higher self, I suppose. I mean, it's very metaphysical, but... Oh, I mean, it's certainly the concept. case that your language shapes your thinking mm. and people that speak different languages think in different ways, their thoughts form in different ways. And people that are multilingual describe this, especially when they learn new languages, they start to dream in different ways. Their but, thoughts are formulated through different pathways. It's a fascinating idea. Well, what I never really understood about Japanese, but it's, all, it's actually quite apparent, is that like when we speak in English, we use I a lot. Like I is a term that we use as when we're speaking, it's over and over and over. Mm. In Japanese, like the way when you talk about things, it many of your sentences, it actually has this structure of of us or we or even though you don't use the term, the way that it's structured, it's like a, a group. Like when you're talking about something, even though you're referring to yourself, you're expressing it in the terms of a group. And that's what Japanese or Japan is. Like it's a very homogenous, you know, you don't step out of line, you don't step away from the group kind of culture, but that's what the language is. Whereas you come to English and English becomes very much a personalized, uh, if not, you know, uh, you know, self-centered, me, 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 me kind of thing. Well, let's take stock of where we're at. This entity is coming through her, speaking in this tribal language, but what it's saying is that there is change coming uh, the evil will be destroyed. The they message, always say this. The message has to be spread far and wide. It's very urgent that more people hear this. And there's some kind of prophecy about people coming together. And finally, by uh, tape five, an identity is revealed. Tape five is translated as the entity saying, I am Paka Mama. I am so much more. This is the healing message that comes from somewhere. A feeling in my heart, a cold breeze, help me. Help me, Paka Mama. Paka Mama. Who is Paka Mama? You know what it sounds like? And I, and I hate to put this upon it, but it, it reminds me of Zozo. Well, Paka Mama is a well-known uh, Mother Earth deity of the Andean people. So mm. think, you know, Bolivia, Peru, Ecuador, parts of Colombia and Chile. Benevolent, obviously. She presents fertility. Well, don't jump to conclusions. She presents represents fertility and with the influx of Europeans to the continent, she got kind of mixed with the Virgin Mary as well. And there's some controversy surrounding Pakamama with this guy. So that's the, he po- caught texting her the or Pope on the right, obviously, <laughs> caught texting her. That's the, a statue of Pakamama on the left there. And there was controversy back in 2019 when they had the uh, Amazon... Is that Rihanna? No, it's not... F- 
Rihanna. <laughs> when they they had what's it called when they had that big meeting, the Synod. They had oh, yeah, the yeah, Amazon yeah. Synod in in Rome. And they had all the bishops come together to discuss what's going on with the Amazon and the, you know, the the people in the region and how to help them, I guess, and how to, you know, make them better Catholics and, you know, all that stuff. And so at this ceremony, that statue was incorporated with the Christian motifs, like Ooh, with the Christian symbology. And isn't that quite controversial? It wasn't just this statue. Obviously, that's controversial. It wasn't just this statue. It was many other um, traditional South American deities were depicted along with Christian symbology. And so the, the, the issue with this is that in the articles I've read, they were like, well, the ultra conservatives were upset because, you know, these aren't part of Christianity, which is, they're not, that's rightly so. Uh, but then there was <laughs> a lot more controversy when uh, some people stole these statues and threw them into the Tiber River. <laughs> yeah, probably not a good idea. <laughs> so I thought, like, is it appropriate to have the gods of another culture in your holy city? Do you know what? I'm I'm not Catholic, but I don't think so. It's not even in like, your holy city. It's like it's in the the meeting for your religion. You have other gods well, there. Well, this is a really good example, I think, of how it's like each to their own. Absolutely each to their own. But this, you know, insane idea of where diversity is just getting into everything, where, you know, people should be allowed to have their space. Everyone should be allowed to have their spaces, right? So this is like Catholicism. They should be allowed to have their space. Why would you bring in yeah. other religions and try it? I mean, I know that they'll, I don't know, just there's something that just doesn't feel well, quite when, right about it. when people got upset about this and thought, you know, these things don't belong in Catholicism and let's throw them in the river. Yeah, well, that's not right either. The, uh, they got called... Uh, you know, racist. They got called uh, bigots and, and and racist. And I thought, well, let's have a look into this. Let's see what's going on. Who is Pakamama? Well, uh, very quickly, I started to think maybe these ultra conservatives are onto something. What is the <gasps> oh? Because Paka, child sacrifice. Pakamama is linked with a history of sacrificing children to that entity. So demonic. Yeah, this is... Uh, it's, it's demonic. I'm sorry. The moment you bring in children and sacrifice, it's it's demonic. This is disturbing. I, I got this from uh, an Australian website, actually, Family Life International, which is obviously a, a Christian website. Is this but, propaganda or is this real? Like, no, actually, I looked into this. I found multiple sources confirming this and okay. sources that are just academic. And right. Not, because people will make up stuff to try and you know get their yeah, of course. You know, opinions across. Uh, they wrote that archaeologists have been documenting a ritual known as Capacocha in which children were killed to appease the Earth Mama, the Earth Mother, sorry, Pacamama, for decades. One well-documented case uh, of the Capacocha ceremony was discovered in 1999 by archaeologists at the summit of a volcano in Argentina. The bodies of a seven-year-old boy, a six-year-old girl, and a 15-year-old known as the Maiden had been preserved due to a, a combination of naturally occurring phenomena and other methods. Well, it's a volcano. There's probably a whole heap of chemicals in the soil that will help that. Yeah, right. Various experts have used the children's bodies to study aspects of biology and anthropology, and they unanimously identified Pakamama as the intended recipient of the sacrifice. Another article describes how boys being sacrificed were given beer or chicha, then strangled or hit on the head before burial. It also quotes an account from 1621, which explains how coca leaves were stuffed into the children's mouths to simultaneously drug 
and suffocate them. And this link between Pacamama and child sacrifice is apparently no secret in South America. For example, there's a website of a Peruvian hotel that invites visitors to observe the remains of a young girl who was sacrificed to Pacamama in the 15th century. They write that tourists can view Juanita, an Incan maiden, who was specially selected for what was considered a privilege to be sacrificed as thanks to the Pacamama, or Mother Earth. The young girl's body was discovered in uh, a camp, uh, Ampato volcano by archaeologists. Again, a part of the same Capacocha ritual. And yeah, well, you know what? This starts crossing into you know modern conspiracy theories and, and what people talk about with the Catholic Church being completely compromised, full of bunch of K fuckers. Um, you know, like it's, and then all of a sudden you you know, have this effigy of this particular child sacrificing entity being brought really essentially into the lion's den. Well, we're starting to come to a conclusion we often make in the show <laughs> on later episodes. Because it's the truth, though. I mean, I'm sorry, but we, it's like if you keep on observing it and you have these repeated yeah. observations, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. Sorry for noticing patterns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But this is from Joshua Charles over at joshuacharles.com. Joshuatcharles.com. Sorry, this guy's a historian and a writer, and he obviously writes about um, religious issues. But he's got this headline, Pacamama is a demon, testimony from a missionary. And I'll link to this website in the show notes, but basically he had a bunch of arguments when this controversy appeared in 2019 where a lot of the mainstream Catholics were like, no, 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 this is just, it's just their harmless deity. It's just like, you know, it represents the earth. It's all good. There's nothing wrong about nothing it. nefarious about it. And he was like, no, this this is a cult. It's it's like a pagan cult. And fine, you can have your pagan cult, but just it doesn't belong in Christianity. Like they're, they're two separate things. Why would you mix them? It'd be wrong to mix them. So well, what, a good example is, would you take that into a mosque? Exactly. Yeah. Would you take <laughs> exactly. that into a oh, Shinto let's, shrine? Let's try that. You wouldn't. Like that's not something you'd do. So I clicked up my bottle. No, that's not, not something that would be done. Uh, he said, I kept having a vague memory about having heard of this Pacamama before. Then I remembered, he said, that when I was in my early 20s, I had a dear friend who had been on multiple missionary trips to South America. And on most of these trips, he encountered Catholic pagan sites and practices that had to do with Pacamama. And the stories he relayed to me, he said, were disturbing. So he's actually included a copy of this guy's testimony. He said he wanted to remain anonymous. But this guy said in July of 2007, he made a chip a trip to uh, Juan Cayo in Peru. He was just a small team of missionaries. And he describes traveling to this pilgrimage place where it's said to be a Catholic place for Catholic pilgrimage and worship, but it was clear that it was being used for other things because at the altar, there were uh, fires burning around these smaller altars and there were just satanic and Masonic symbols everywhere. Oh my God. All over the place, right? Masonic. Fires were burning in the town. Smoke could, could be seen rising. And he said, we asked the locals, like, what's going on? What's what's all this, like, celebration? They said the city was celebrating El Dia de Santiago. And they described a scene in which Catholic celebrations were mixed with pagan Incan rituals. And what it was, was a citywide orgy and a celebration inside and outside the Catholic Church. The ritual celebrated the fertility goddess, Pacamama. One local literally said, well, 
nine months from now, another group of bastard children will be, will be born because everyone is encouraged to have as much sex as possible with as many people as possible. To produce more children for it to feed upon. Well, he says all these children are born without fathers. We pressed for more details and the locals said that the Catholic Church does nothing. They say nothing. It is allowed and it even happens within the walls of the church. He said we were shocked to hear this, but all indications and observations gave reason to believe this was true. But just having a, encouraging people to have a bunch of kids without, without fathers still is bad. I mean, children, children need their parents, but um, does it become worse than that? Well, again, this is just the, the history that's associated with it. I've got this uh, video here. They've uncovered the largest burial site of child sacrifices in the world. The skeletal remains of at least 227 children have been found since 2016. The bodies were buried in the coastal desert north of Lima between 600 and 800 years ago during the Chimu period. The pre-Columbian society thrived between the years 900 and 1475 until it was conquered by the Inca Empire. The bodies were found facing the Pacific Ocean near a port that was favored at the time. The mass grave tells a grim tale. The lead excavator says the site is similar to nearby burial grounds where large groups of children were interred after they were marched to the coast and stabbed in the chest one by one. The victims are estimated to have been between 4 and 14 years old when they... You get the picture. Ancient cultures were just like yeah. so much more better and like in touch with the earth. And you might say, well, that was over 600 years ago. But well, the, the nature of the entity doesn't change. It doesn't change. If the entity is demanding blood over 600 years ago, you can guarantee it's demanding blood today. Well, in a roundabout way, that's what I was asking before. Is there, you know, with this missionary, did he imply that once those children are born, that, that anything else happens to them afterwards? Well, there's been missing people in these regions and some the police have de actually destroyed some of these shrines because they believe that the people going missing were linked to some of these satanic cults and some of them do worship Parker Mama. Now, that's not, that's not to say that everyone that worships this entity is is some kind of evil Satanist, but you've got to look at the nature of what the entity is demanding. When you see this language of it saying that the earth has to be appeased, how is it appeased? What yeah, needs to be sacrificed? That. And if you look at the the modern uh, environmental movement, it is anti-human. Absolutely, it is. It is 100% yep. against Unhinged, human beings. deranged. The things that environmental extremists want will lead to the deaths of billions of people. Yes, it will. You know, this whole stop oil nonsense. As they fly around in planes, by the way. Everyone will starve and yep. die. Yep. And you got a question, like, is this... Is there something else behind this? Is there something metaphysical behind this drive to this anti-human drive to put the earth, the so-called environment, before human beings? Yes, there's no is about it. And it's something that has been going on for centuries and it's now just transmuting itself and changing itself into new forms. Yeah, there's an interesting connection, especially when the seventh tape was translated. And this, the headline, the, the chapter was titled The Seventh Tape the bleedy tape. and As in blood? Yeah. He called her and he says, Janet, this tape is not a good one. And she's like, what do you mean not a good one? He says, it's what my friend and I call the bleedy tape. It's all about destruction, floods, earth that quakes. It talks about blood and speaks of pain, screaming and weeping. It's a tape of prophecy, Janet. 
And she's like, that's creepy, Ipu. I don't like hearing this. He says, it looks like the year 2001 is going to be a bloody one. And it was. It was a bloody one. 9-11. She says, well, I don't think I'll tell anyone about this. This is too scary. And he just says, look, Janet, the spirits are preparing us for many changes. We must share their words. The eighth tape comes along and uh, she starts... Well, he's, it's interesting. By the eighth tape, he's like, you're not even speaking the same language anymore. She's so now, how can he translate it? She, well, he recognizes the language because he knows multiple. Sure. He says, you're now speaking Kanamari. Which and is another dialect. Kanamari is another tribe, different part of the jungle. And he started playing the tape to these tribes people. And they demanded that she come to speak to them. And they actually wouldn't tell him f- what was fully said on the tape. because they're going to kill her. <laughs> They're going to eat her. <laughs> apparently, no, apparently it was some kind of um, like shamanistic challenge, like call to a challenge between kind of two challenge? shamans and they wouldn't reveal any more to him. And he, by the end of this section of the book, he's basically begging her like, please, you've got to come with me to the rainforest and we've got to, like, they need to see you and they need to hear you speak this language so we can decipher this last tape. Does she agree? No, thank God. Mm-hmm. It's almost like she gets bored of it and she goes... Oh, so it's not out of, you know, self-preservation or fear. It's just boredom. No, she's just like, yeah, okay, I'll think about it. <laughs> she's like, thanks for your help. And she just does other things. Like she goes off and works with Gary Schwartz about something else. She has some other psychic thing happen to her. And oh, she worked with Gary Schwartz. Yeah, I don't even know if she kept up with the the light language channeling speak that she was doing. You know what? Maybe it's a, it's a case of she... Um, because she was starting to lose interest, it lost power over her. Well, there was a lasting impression. And I decided I would skip ahead and just have a look at the last chapter and and see what her conclusions were. Mm -hmm. And she wrote that one day she woke up in the morning and she got up to, you know, wash her face and look in the mirror. And she said, my neck looked bigger. She said, was it my imagination or something more? And after a couple of weeks of paying close attention to her neck, and one of her sisters noticed it as well, she's like, I've got to see a doctor. So she makes an appointment with the endocrinologist. And weeks later, she's told your thyroid has to be removed. Is it cancerous? It's now expanding. She's got like a second double chin. And the week after the surgery, she's doing the post-op checkup. And they're like, you've got thyroid cancer. Now, thankfully, she survived, but think back to her description of what this entity does. Came up through her body and takes control of her vocal cords. It starts taking control of her tongue, and it's all around this area. Area, yeah. It's precisely where this activity is going on. And I'm reading this just going, clearly this is connected. Surely this isn't a coincidence. Like, yes, thyroid cancer is is common, but... I'm not familiar with it, but I was. I, I would imagine that it wouldn't be that rapid. Like, would it move that rapidly? Would it grow that fast? Well, I don't know. But I wondered, has she learned from this? Did she make the connection? That's Did she connect question. the dots? And she said, speaking with spirits who have passed on is an honor. And I've been blessed to meet so many sacred beings along the way. I am honored. I am a vessel for their messages I wake up each day wondering where I'll be led to next. And then next week she ran out and got an Ouija board <laughs> and we don't know where she is now. Sorry, I don't want these guys and their 
chicken fluff head gods <laughs> telling me where to go next. I'll be fine, thanks. No, no, no but these, you know what's actually, you, you hit the nail on the head before, right, where you said that, uh, because it, it's it's very easy to categorize people and, um, you know, put them under the same umbrella. But people that are following these entities, the whole thing of what they do, especially with negative entities, is mm-hmm. they trick and they fool and they deceive. Like, that's what they do. So these poor guys, they have no idea. They have no idea at all. People on these streets that are following this stuff, for the most part, they have no idea. They don't know. Maybe they just that, think that I, they're doing the right thing. Lights just up oil. They think they're doing the right thing. Yeah, I guess you've got... I guess you're right. They it's they, they think it's helping, it's being benevolent yeah. and... They're not deliberately it, bad but, people. But is it your fault if you put the earth before people? If you really believe that, that the earth is more important than human beings? Mm, that's a that's a good good cuz ultimately that's what it boils down to. I you think, put the you put the planet in front of us. You know what, you're probably pissing off a lot of people, not that I'm saying it's wrong, but there are a lot of people where we've been ingrained in our society to have a lot of hatred for ourselves. Like there is a lot of inbuilt hatred for humanity, for our fellow man. Uh, and that's why this planet thing kind of steps in and overrides everything because people go, oh, well, I hate that group of people or I hate that group of people. No one ever thinks, this is one thing I've noticed with this kind of stuff, whether it's your religion and you know the climate change propaganda really has become a religion as well. People become yeah, zealous. You know, like our energy minister has, is becoming, showing you know zealous approach to our energy system at the moment. We're in a lot of trouble. Um, but I feel like what happens is no one ever thinks that, oh, I'm going to be the one that gets wiped out. I'm the one that's going to be affected. I'm doing all the, my penance. I'm doing all the right things. I'm following everything in the book mm. without thinking that if I do this, it could have disastrous ramifications for me, not just the other people. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a lot of modern things is it just hasn't been thought through. Never, no. Not to go into it too much. But I would follow this guy's God. The God of amazing hair. Look at that haircut. It's like the perfect... Is he congratulating Bolsonaro, though? Is that who he's congratulating? <laughs> These guys are based. <laughs> These guys are based. <laughs> Maybe it's just this guy. Like, that's why... Because he just said, we're congratulating our new president. It looks relatively the... new. Oh, it's President Lula. The rest of them... They're not, they're not based. Oh, okay. No. I thought maybe the rest of them were all... Like... Jungle commies. Cushion featherhead weirdos. Look at them. Look at them. They're they, look all... like, they look like a standard commie anyway. Yeah, they're all cushion f- featherhead weirdos. <laughs> but this guy's based. This guy's like... <laughs> well, Koreans are pretty based. So, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> based hair product K-pop Indian guy. <laughs> and that's where I left it. Brilliant. That's I'll link to the book in the show notes. And, of course, I was led there by this one, Jeff Tarrant's new one, Becoming a Psychic. And... I should say he actually brings Janet into his lab, hooks her up to the EEGs. Oh, really? And watches her brain activity while this language is coming through, which is a whole other topic. It's really fascinating because clearly she's not making it up, which I think is evident anyway. Well, hold on to it. Don't give anything in that away. Because I'm not I- going to talk about it. Okay. I'm just saying if you want to read about that, check it out. Because there has been do- some good research done on people that do speak in tongues, and it shows that the part of their brain that's associated with memory, or sorry, not memory, with language and speaking is completely inactive. Right. Okay. Right. So it's so not they are like channeling something. It's not like they're coming up with the language. It really looks like they're just this vessel and something else is coming through and speaking to them. So I'll link to that in the show notes along with Spirits They Are Present by Janet Mayer. That's a wrap for this free edition of the show. Amazing stuff coming up. 
can't wait to hear finally about Ted, who we've never really delved into. I thought he was this uh, ingenious psychic camera builder, but you're saying he's so just he's a, a driving, drunk- angry, obnoxious drunk who just, just happened to be able to put his psychic impressions into film. Just a drunk weirdo. Yeah, it's astonishing. Absolutely astonishing. We're also going to be jitterbugging it with uh, Lethal Serpents. So talking about religion, that's going to be coming up very soon. Uh, and we're also going and going to go into essentially, um, you know, the details and the life of psychic phenomena and how it has, uh, you know, connected with things like psychic photography and thought transference and those sorts of topics. So that's all coming up very soon. Awesome. Head to the website, mysteriousuniverse.org forward slash plus. Sign up today. You get access to all the extensions we do every single Friday. So the show is more than double the length that you'll see for free. Uh, Plus members also get an entirely exclusive show on Tuesdays as well. You're getting more than double the content if you sign up for plus. Plus members also get a totally ad-free version of the show. You also get uh, a higher bitrate feed too for our audio RSS feed, all exclusive to plus members. Uh, if you sign up for our MU Max tier, you get 16 plus years of our back catalogue as well. So make sure you check it out, mysteriousuniverse.org forward slash plus. Help support your favourite show. That's a wrap for this free edition of MU. Thanks for listening. If you're on plus, stick around for the great stuff after the break. For everyone else, we'll catch you next week. Plus extension, great to have you.